0: This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hi, my name is Nick Klein. I am the Senior Credit Risk Review Officer at Ephrata National Bank, and I would like to spend a few minutes discussing the risks of lending to livestock farmers. Every single person on the planet relies on the agriculture industry. The romaine on a Caesar salad was grown on a farm. The chicken we eat for dinner came from a poultry farm. Our ice cream dessert came from a dairy farm. And while everyone needs to eat, consumer demands can change very quickly, environmental laws are constantly changing, and commodity prices fluctuate. There are many risks in agriculture, though banks can be successful when lending to farmers as long as risks are effectively understood and managed. All livestock farmers share a common bond. With a large number of animals in a confined space, every farmer must have a plan to dispose of manure and animals that succumb to illness. Large livestock operations are classified as Concentrated Animal Feeding Operations, or CAFOs. These operations are regulated by the EPA and are required to implement a nutrient management plan to obtain an operating permit. While the EPA doesn't require a nutrient management plan for all farms, many states such as my home state of Pennsylvania, do. These plans address manure storage and transportation, the handling of deceased animals, runoff, and soil erosion. In some cases, the EPA or state environmental agency will require riparian buffers or fencing if the farm is near a stream. Before considering an agricultural loan request, a prudent lender will obtain a copy of a farmer's nutrient management plan and copies of permits issued by the EPA. An environmental questionnaire and walkthrough should also be completed to determine how chemicals are stored and if manure storage is appropriate. Once the loan is booked, the lender should visit the farm annually to ensure that all is well on the farm. If a CAFO loses its permit, the operation would shut down. As a bank, foreclosing on a CAFO without a permit could impact the saleability of the farm. Moving on, it's important to understand how contract production works with livestock. The hog and poultry industries are vertically integrated, with a few very large companies controlling most of the industry. Contracting with these companies, known as integrators, makes sense for most farmers because the integrator is willing to take on most of the price risk. In these arrangements, a farmer will build a hog barn or poultry house on his farm and manage the operation. In return for his housing unit and labor, the integrator will provide a fixed income, the feed, and the medication. Integrator contracts range anywhere from one year to seven years, providing a stable income source that could be reasonably relied upon. As I mentioned, the integrator is willing to take on most of the price risk. The farmer sells his product at a fixed amount, and feed is provided. From the bank's perspective, though, price risk isn't eliminated, only transferred. If the integrator's profitability declines, your farmer may not get paid. When evaluating this type of arrangement, it is important to understand the financial health of your borrower and the integrator. This is great if the integrator is a public company like Tyson, however many of the integrators are private, and most of these companies keep their financials under lock and key. If you're unable to obtain that information, you will need to rely on the company's reputation and history. When considering a loan request from a contract farmer, it's important to obtain a copy of their contract and understand the specifics. Lenders must understand the terms of the contract and what the farmer must do to remain in good standing with the integrator. When reading these contracts, you will find that the integrator holds most of the power, and contracts are written so that the integrator can exit the relationship at any time with little notice. This is a risk the lender must be aware of. For the remainder of our time, I'd like to talk about some specifics for three major livestock operations, hogs, poultry, and dairy. Few hog and poultry farmers operate independently because prices are volatile and operating expenses run high. Most hog farmers operate under a per-space contract, meaning they get paid a fixed amount per space in their hog barns. This way, even if an integrator only fills half of the barn, the farmer still gets paid. There are three types of hog operations, farrow-to-feeder, feeder-to-finish, and farrow-to-finish. Farrow-to-finish is the most expensive as it manages the entire hog production process from start to finish requiring more space and equipment than the other operations. Poultry farmers, for the most part, raise either laying hens for eggs or broiler hens for meat. Layer houses are more expensive than broiler houses because they require equipment to collect the eggs. Layer operators receive hens a few weeks after they are hatched and are paid a small fixed fee until the hens begin laying at approximately 24 weeks of age. Layer operators receive a fixed amount of money based on weight per dozen eggs. Bonuses are provided based on egg quality, feed conversion, and mortality. These farmers are usually compared to their peers, with the strongest farmers receiving higher bonuses and the weakest farmers sometimes penalized, particularly if they have a poor feed conversion ratio. Contracts are typically flock-to-flock. Broiler operators receive hens at two weeks of age and raise them for an additional six weeks until they reach market weight. Once the hens are shipped off, the house goes through a two to three week rest period. Broiler operators are paid by the pound and are also ranked based on feed conversion and mortality. Like their counterparts, they are compared to their peers and compensated based on their ranking. Broiler contracts can be written for up to seven years. Whenever lending to contract farmers, you want to obtain and review a farmer's contract and nutrient management plan. You also want to obtain a copy of recent settlement checks to determine metrics such as feed conversion and mortality. If metrics are poor, the management ability of that farmer is called into question. If the farmer's integrator is planning to reduce its number of producers, those with high mortality or poor feed conversion will be the first to lose their contract. And if a farmer loses a contract because he is a poor manager, it is unlikely that he will be picked up by another integrator. If financing a new barn, you also want to obtain a copy of all plans and specs. Projected revenue from these types of operations should be adjusted by 25% to account for operating expenses such as taxes, utilities, supplies, and repairs. Hog and broiler farmers should maintain a DSCR of at least 1.20 or higher. I would recommend a slightly higher DSCR for layer farmers, as there is a high likelihood of needing to replace equipment in layer houses every few years. For layer farmers, integrators often require new equipment. The farmer has no choice but to buy and install it, otherwise the integrator will not provide a new contract. When analyzing the cash flow of existing hog and poultry farmers, using a three-year average is preferred. In the case of broiler farmers, you can expect a typical farmer to raise 5.75 flocks. In most years he will receive six checks, but in some years he will only receive five. The three-year average ensures that we do not decline or adversely risk rate a borrower because of timing hog and poultry barns should be underwritten based on a 15-year term with a maximum LTV of 80%. If extending the amortization beyond 15 years, the LTV should be adjusted accordingly so the combined amortization and LTV do not exceed 95. This so-called rule of 95 is well known in the farm credit world. This rule ensures that an extended amortization is mitigated by a stronger collateral position. When considering a loan to a dairy farmer, there are different risks involved. Dairy farmers do not have a stable contract but sell their milk to a processor. Many farmers do this through a cooperative. Cooperatives, or co-ops, are groups of dairy farmers that pool their resources to obtain a consistent market and a higher price for their milk. Dairy farmers also own their animals and are responsible for all operating expenses. Dairy farmers are paid based on three metrics, volume, fat content, and protein content. Farmers are paid a fixed price per 100 pounds based on the market price. Farmers are then paid bonuses based on the percentages of fat and protein in their milk. Fat and protein are important for items like heavy cream, which command a premium over fluid milk. Dairy farmers measure their herd's performance based on a rolling herd average, which calculates the amount of milk the average cow produces per day and per year. A good manager will maintain a rolling herd average of 70 pounds per day or 21,000 pounds annually. A good manager will also maintain a fat percentage of at least 3.5% and a protein percentage of 2.9%. The higher the percentages, the better. Metrics below these figures demonstrate mismanagement. Milk is also tested for somatic cell counts, which are similar to white blood cells. Healthy cows have fewer somatic cells. If somatic cell counts are too high, a farmer may receive a lower price for his milk. A farmer will also suffer from reduced milk production because healthier cows produce more milk. The rolling herd average, fat content, protein, and somatic cell counts can all be found on a dairy farmer's Dairy Herd Improvement Association scorecard. Most dairy farmers enroll in this program, known as DHIA, which provides monthly testing for about $2,000 per year. This information is available for those not enrolled in DHIA, though it's harder to obtain. A good dairy farmer will know that it's worth spending $2,000 per year on the DHIA program because of the information it provides. When considering a loan request for a dairy farmer, the role of 95 remains important. The purchase of dairy cows should be financed over a maximum term of five years with equipment, including robotic milkers, financed for no more than seven years. A lender should visit the farm to ensure that the stalls are clean and dry and that cows have access to pasture. A nutrient management plan should be reviewed, along with a copy of the farmer's most recent DHIA summary and most recent settlement check. A good dairy farmer should have a minimum DSCR of 1.25 over a three-year period. A three-year average is important for a number of reasons. Milk prices vary from year to year, as do feed prices. Because many dairy farmers operate on a cash basis, they prepay a lot of their expenses in good years to offset their tax burden. The three-year average provides a more accurate snapshot of the farm's true profitability. When projecting income for dairy, for dairy farmers, using the average Class three milk price over the last 10 years is prudent, as is projecting feed expenses at 40% of total revenue. Total expenses should average about 65% of revenue over a three-year period. As a final point, lenders should, should be aware of biosecurity on a farm. This is important for all livestock operations but of major importance for poultry farms. Because of migratory patterns, poultry farmers are at greatest risk of losing their flock to illness. As birds travel north and south, they stop along the way. If one of these birds is infected with avian flu, there is the potential that a farmer's flock could be infected. If that happens, the flock would be euthanized. The farmer would be responsible for cleanup and would not receive the full payment for that flock. As a lender, you must have a plan in in place an avian flu outbreak, and take steps to disinfect your shoes and tires whenever leaving a farm. If you'd like more information about lending to livestock farmers, please check out my article in the July 2018 edition of the RMA Journal. Thanks for listening.